It's something for nothing, the Rush Fancast. Jerry and Steve with you. Jerry, I have bad news today. Oh, no. <laughs> what is it, Steve? <laughs> is the podcast over? No, it's not over, but this is going to be my least favorite episode that we've ever done. Oh, yeah. Same with me. I was thinking the same thing. Because... This is not good. No. I mean, we're going to do our top five Rush albums today, and I'm going to leave a lot of great albums off my list. Yeah, I know. This was not easy. This was a terrible idea. It was a terrible idea. Was this your idea? <laughs> this was a terrible idea. We need someone to blame, Steve. I don't know. You can find us on Twitter. We are at RushFanCast. Instagram, you can find us at the TheRushCast. Email Jerry, TheRushCast at gmail.com. You know, I bet people think, this will be entertaining, even if it's a bad idea. Oh, well, I'll try to make it entertaining. <laughs> Still could be a terrible idea. A lot of bad ideas are entertaining. That's true. That's true. The bass intro and outro, that's Lex. Follow or subscribe via your favorite podcast app. Please give us a rating. We appreciate it. And Jer, why don't you give us an email? Let's get started on a high note here at least. Okay. This is from Blake. What's up, Blake? Now, Blake says, so I was listening to your Grace Under Pressure trilogy thing, is what he called it, or thing. Okay. And you were talking about the cover art, and you pointed out that the eye and the jaw with teeth, correct me if I'm wrong, and I missed you pointing it out, but if you take the cover and you turn it 90 degrees to the right, there's a whole face with horns in that picture. There's the jaw, the cheek, the nose, the eye, and two horns up above its whole head. Check it out. Seriously? Yeah, I looked at it, uh -huh. the cover, I turned it. If I understand what turning something 90 degrees to the right <laughs> <laughs> means, <laughs> I can't see it. Okay. Maybe that doesn't mean it's not there. Maybe I'll, maybe it'll be like one of those, um, remember those magic image things? What were those things called? Where you look at the weird patterns and all of a sudden like a 3D image comes I out. I think they were called the magic eye. Magic eye, yes. The magic eye. Maybe it's something like that. I, I don't see it, but Blake sees it. Maybe other people will see it too. Okay. Shoot us an email. Let us know if you see it. I don't have it in front of me, so I'll try it later. Yeah. But that's cool. That's all Blake had? That was it. We have a nice <laughs> short email. I figured it was, it's a something for people to do at home. Sure, sure. While they're listening. Thanks for listening, Blake. We really appreciate it. Well, it's time to get started with our bad idea, Jer. And we decided to bring a guest on to help us with this terrible idea. Yeah, because Misery Loves Company. Misery Loves Company. We appeared on his podcast not too long ago, Michael's Record Collection, and the creator and host of Michael's Record Collection is Michael Citro. Welcome to the Rush Fancast. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm sorry that already my thunder has been stolen. Jerry said uh, what I was going to say, Misery Loves Company. You had to drag me into this. <laughs> Michael, why don't we get started with your Rush origin story? When did you first hear Rush? And how did you become a fan? I have a very similar story uh, to yours, I think. I, I kind of was always aware of Rush. I'd heard them on the radio. I grew up in the Midwest, so I heard Fly By Night, In The Mood, Working Man. And I was aware of them to the point that I think in sixth grade, I snuck over to a, a department store. I wasn't allowed to cross the street that direction, but I went and picked up the 45 of Closer to the Heart, which was my first... Uh, Rush record that I owned, but I was still like just a fringe Rush fan until we got MTV. And once I got MTV and I saw some of those videos from moving pictures and signals, I ordered up a couple of cassettes from the uh, 
Columbia House Club and also the BMG Music Club. I think I got signals from BMG and moving pictures from Columbia. I always had two or three of those things going. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, once I got those cassettes and started listening to them regularly, I was hooked for life. Now, why don't you tell us a little bit about your podcast, Michael's Record Collection. I assume everything you talk about is in your collection. It is. Sometimes it's physically in my collection. Sometimes it's from a, you know, a promo that I get from um, you know, a record company. But uh, So it might be digitally in there. But it, this started out as a newsletter. I got a Substack newsletter going last winter when I had been laid off from my job due to the, the pandemic. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll do this and see if maybe some people will subscribe and maybe I can build an audience and, and try to make some money at it because I wasn't really having a whole lot of success getting back into the job market. It, you know, I was laid off right before the holidays and the pandemic's going on. So there was, it was really a bad time to be out of work. And then I got called back into work and I, I just kept doing it. I haven't really spent as much time on the newsletter as I'd like to, but I thought I'd branch out because I had all of this footage from from these zoom calls and i couldn't use all of these great quotes in my newsletter so i thought well i'll just put the whole thing up and everybody can see the whole interview on youtube and then i'm thinking well what's on youtube and i've got the audio why not just make it a podcast as well so it's it's a triple threat really <laughs> so how many records are in michael's record collection oh man i, I should have been ready for that question um <laughs> do you want to go count them real quick <laughs> I know I have about 1,100 titles or 1,200 titles on CD. I've got another close to 50 on vinyl. I, I had just restarted my vinyl collection. I had a vinyl collection before and did away with it years ago, thinking I, I never have to mess with those vinyl records again, skipping and crackling and popping. But uh, of course, I got sucked back into it. And I, I bought my turntable in March, and I've already amassed uh, close to 50 of those. And then there's various Blu-rays and DVD audio and 5.1 collections and box sets and things like that. So I would say quite a few is, is probably the correct answer. You know, if you're looking to collect vinyl on the cheap, one of the best ways I've been doing it is to go into estate sales because you'd be amazed at the records people have. People just have the craziest stuff and some of the best stuff and you get them for like a buck or two. Yeah, that's uh, that's a, a good buddy of mine who has his own podcast. Another guy who has a podcast here in Central Florida does records revisited, and he does all of that. He buys full collections from from people that are are trying to get rid of their collections, or you know, had a loved one pass away and they're trying to get rid of their collections. So he does that too. So, and I think he's going to sell me all of a whole bunch of Jethro Tull albums that he just got in a collection because he doesn't like Jethro Tull. Perfect. <laughs> Well, today we're here to whittle our record collections down to five Rush albums. Can we do it? That's the question. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it can be done. It has been done, but... Should it be done? <laughs> no, should it be done? That's a good question. I'm, I personally am, am not... I don't say I'm... I said I'm not happy. I'm not content with my choices because the the difference between you know, album one and album 10 is a difference of degrees. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. One, two degrees. It's just like, oh, it's, it was so hard to do. I, I, I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm, and first of all, I'm just expecting the emails. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> because people are going to be like, how could you leave off this album? I'm like, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. Five is five. Five is only five. Mm -hmm. 
no real Rush fan would leave that out of their top five. <laughs> right. Well, what I'm hoping is collectively between the three of us, we have five picks each. Maybe we'll cover 15 albums in those 15 choices. What do you think? It's entirely possible. It's possible. Mm-hmm. There's 19 albums, and it's, I would say, very unlikely. <laughs> very unlikely. That's what I was going to say. Possible, but unlikely. So anyway, I have three rules, okay? Here are the rules. No live albums. It's kind of like a greatest hits. That's cheating, <laughs> right? Right. No greatest hits collections. Also cheating. Yep. But I will allow feedback. <laughs> it, okay. Is feedback? What? It's an EP. It's an EP. I'll allow it if you would like to put it in your top five. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, Michael, but it's not in my top five. I figured that I, I recently listened to your feedback episode and I thought, yeah, nobody's going to have feedback in their top five. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably 100% untrue. I'm going to get an email <laughs> sometime Monday afternoon after this episode comes out. And somebody's like, feedback's my favorite album. Yeah. I know it. Yeah, it could be. Michael, we're going to start with you. What is your number five Rush album? All right. So here's the deal. My favorite Rush album, you guys already know because we talked about it on my show. I'll reveal that later. I was able to slot in number two, three, and four pretty easily. One and two are locked in. Three and four on any given day might swap places, but they're solidly in the top five. So that leaves the fifth spot. I had six albums <laughs> going for that last spot. And I can tell you that the one that I give you today, it might be different tomorrow. It might be one of the other five the next day, but I, I have to give you an answer. So I'm going to go with Presto as my number five, my fifth favorite Rush album. Wow. That is very surprising. It really is. I have to take the heat off of you guys. Yeah, that's a great one. I will get all the heat. <laughs> I appreciate that. I don't know if you're a, have you ever um, gone to the racetrack and bet on the ponies, as they say? Florida has a lot of um, racetracks, I think, right? Yeah, I have, uh, but not since I've lived in Florida. I was uh, up in uh, New York State. I, I went once and uh, had a good time. Why do you ask? <laughs> because if your fifth album is, you know, a rotating thing, is this is this bet in horse racing called wheeling, where you could take like any number of horses <laughs> in, in a particular spot and then just kind of bet like six or seven other horses in that third spot or whatever. So that's what you're doing right now. You're wheeling that fifth spot. Yeah. Yeah. And I will tell you the others that I considered later, because I want to spoil the other four in the countdown. Oh, okay. That's a good idea. So why Presto? Quickly, Michael. I think it's just when it fell in my life, it was an album I played a lot in college. I went to see Rush on the Presto tour. It was the second time I'd ever seen them. Uh, first time was Power Windows. And I just really connected with the songs on that album. I liked them probably better than you know, a lot of my friends were like, uh, it's okay. And I was like, oh, what are you talking about? This is a great album. But the lyrics, the tunes, the playing, everything's good. I I wasn't crazy about the production of it. It sounds a little brassy, but I just love the songs. And how could I not pick an album with the pass on it? <laughs> I love Presto. I, I can't argue with you. I can't argue with any choice, really. So, Jared, what's your number five? My number five is Grace Under Pressure. Ooh, nice. Are you surprised by that, Steve? No, I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> I, think, I think it's a great pick. Your reasoning, sir? I think that Grace Under Pressure is... 
Oh, this is going to get me in a little trouble. It's probably the last great Rush guitar album of the 80s. Can you agree on that? Well, maybe, but Presto was also the 80s. A lot of good guitar on Presto, too. Yeah, but I think that Alex was playing differently by that time, just hitting a different kind of space. He's really upfront, I think, on Grace Under Pressure. Okay. I think. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> Any dissenting opinions on that one? No, no. I, I love the pick. I mean, Grace Under Pressure was definitely in contention for me. Yeah, Grace Under Pressure was the first Rush album that came out after I was considering myself a Rush fan. So it was where I, it was my point of the next album came out and I was there to buy it as a fan rather than going back and getting older albums. So Steve, what's your number five? Like we've been saying, this was like choosing between children, really. The way I decided to figure this out is if I was on a deserted island and I could only take five Rush albums with me, which five would I take? You know, you had all these rules, Steve, that you didn't tell us about. (laughs) (laughs) This is the rule I created for myself to pare it down to five. Right. Okay. Not a rule I'm giving you guys. You guys can use whatever rules you like. Okay. I decided I could not live without... 2112. Everything you could possibly want from a Rush song is in that song, 2112. Brilliant 20 minutes. And I've got to have that song in my five albums somewhere. This is why this episode is not fun for me. (laughs) Why? Because you didn't pick 2112? I did not pick 2112. That's a spoiler. But how could I not pick 2112? Right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) I, I had that conversation with myself about a lot of albums. How could I not pick this? But I have to pick this other thing. <laughs> this took me a long time to do. You know, this is what I did. I, I should have said this before we started, I guess, with the picks. But I went to the Rush webpage, the official Rush webpage, and I printed out images of all the albums. And then I put them in front of me. I wasn't picking the ones that I liked so much as just like, mm, this one doesn't make the cut. You know what I mean? I was just kind of like pushing pictures away from me like i was some kind of french king or something (laughs) uh, sending people to the the bastille and um that's how i kind of wound up i'm like oh man these albums are the ones that are left yeah so it really wasn't a choosing so much as a almost a discarding it was a painful painful process process of elimination right after we saw that first show in 1986 jerry i remember going out and buying 2112 and just being blown away that show changed us, but hearing that song changed me too, really. I mean, it was yeah. just incredible. I agree. Good choice. And that's just side one. I mean, there's some great songs on side two, <laughs> too, right? That's true. Passage to Bangkok, Something for Nothing. I wasn't even thinking of side two. I'm like, yeah, side one just does the right. does it. Yeah, Something for Nothing. That'd be a good title for a podcast. Yeah, I think it so. It would be, right? <laughs> <laughs> Michael, why don't you give us your number four? Let's hear it. All right. I, I, you know, I, I love your pick at 2112 too, because you're right. They do the hard stuff. They do the soft stuff. It's, it's got the whole variety pack. My number four, uh, maybe this is a little low for some people, but my four is moving pictures. Okay. Got to have Tom Sawyer. Got to have Limelight. Got to have YYZ, Red Barchetta. I think the second side of the album for me isn't quite as strong as the first side, but it's still very, very strong. Just a, a classic album, and it's one that I probably would have higher if I hadn't heard all the songs so many, many, many times. You know, sometimes you don't even try to hear them, and you hear them somewhere. 
Yeah, that's definitely. Uh, I think uh, there are is a big contingent of Rush fans who wouldn't put moving pictures near the top specifically for that reason. Is because they've heard all of those songs so much. It's almost like you know giving in to the to the, the masses yeah. who are familiar with mostly that era of Rush. Yeah, but should that matter though? We've talked about this before, Jer. Whether the masses love it or not, if I love it, can I put it in my top five or at the top if I want to? Yeah, I think so. And I don't think anyone's doing it, you know, super consciously. That'd be weird, right? I think people are just turned off by the great acceptance of this one thing, especially since Rush is such a niche band for so many people that this one album seems to be so popular. It just kind of, you know, sidetracks them a little bit. All right, Jared, what's your number four? Let's hear it. My number four is Hemispheres. Ooh. Can't argue with that. Yeah. I just think that Hemispheres, I'm, I might be strange in this opinion, but, you know, Rush is always described all the time as a prog rock band. But I don't think they were a prog rock band really after Hemispheres. Yeah. I think Hemispheres was the last progiest prog rock album that they did, right? I mean, Hemispheres itself is just a stunning piece of work, the song. And then, you know, La is on that album too, which is just the craziest thing. The trees, all of these are, very, are, are like prog anthems. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I think just the fact that it is, in my mind, their last true prog album, it has to be up there for me. As I say, I can't argue with that. That's for sure. So Steve, what's your number four? Well, as I said with 2112, I couldn't have a top five album list without the song 2112 in it. And similarly, I can't have a top five albums without Xanadu on it. So number four for me is a farewell to Kings. This is the pinnacle of seventies rush for me further cemented by us seeing Primus a few months ago, Jared. Yeah. Just an amazing album. And as a bass player, I think Getty's bass tone on this album is fantastic. The outdoor recordings with the birds chirping. And in addition to Xanadu, you get A Farewell to Kings, you get Closer to the Heart, you get Cygnus X1, you get Cinderella Man, one of my favorites. Have to have A Farewell to Kings in my top five. It's definitely a an, a great album. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> and we've talked about this before too, the way that they came off of 2112 with this gigantic bombastic album. And then the next one starts off with Alex walking around a courtyard with birds chirping, playing an acoustic guitar. Really crazy. And the, the crazy thing is, so far, we've picked six albums, and all six are different. That's true. How about that? Are we going to continue with that, Michael, with your number three? We are not, because for all the things you just said, A Farewell to Kings is my number three. Okay. I could not go without Xanadu. I could not not have Xanadu in my top five. So, uh, and like you said, plus all of the other great songs on the record, it's just great from start to finish. Great album. And it was, like I said, on, on another day, it might flip flop places with moving pictures, but it's, it's solidly in that top five for me. It's at number three. All right. I can't argue with that since it was my number four. Jared, what's your number three? <laughs> My number three is Signals. Ooh, nice. 
And one of the rules I had for myself was that these albums, I had to like every song on these albums, right? Okay. But I don't, I think it's well known that I'm, I'm not the hugest fan of Countdown. Right. So you've come around. No, but <laughs> I still, I had to violate my own rule because the rest of this album is just about as perfect as any album can be. Maybe Jerry's copy of Signals doesn't have the NASA countdown <laughs> on it. I wish it didn't. <laughs> and then and then that's in you know then he can like it. Which is just so strange because it was really a, a rule. I'm like every album I have to like every song. So that immediately ticked off maybe four or five albums because there's just some songs I'm not you know the biggest fan of. So I was like oh, I can't put that album on there since I don't love every song. But then when I got to Signals, I was like I can't. I can't not have it in my top five. Because you need subdivisions, right? I need subdivisions. I can't not listen to subdivisions. So Steve, what's your disappointing number three? Well, I have about six or seven favorites left, but only three spots. So that's, that's a problem. Right. But because the 80s was my entry point for Rush, I had to have a synth era Rush album in my top five. And you could guess, Jared, that it is Power Windows. Right. March 31st, 1986, the day that started it all for you and I, Joe. Right. I heard seven of the eight songs on that day for the first time. Right. And I have loved this album ever since. And I could not possibly fathom having a top five without Power Windows. It's just got a special place in my heart. Manhattan Project is one of my favorite songs. Got to have Manhattan Project, and you got to have Getty's raccoon haircut, right? <laughs> <laughs> the, the Daniel Boone, right? Yeah. Got to have the yeah. Steinberger bass in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Marathon's a great song. I mean, that's a, it's a tremendous album. It, it, it really is. And I, I think that if people who say they don't like the synth era are really being honest, I think they probably like most of the songs on Power Windows anyway. Yeah, and it was tough not choosing Grace Under Pressure. Spoiler alert, that's not in my top five, but it pains me that it's not in my top five. Well, it pains me, Steve, to say that Power Windows is not in my top five either. Yeah, it's it's hard, right? Right. This is so hard. And Michael, give us your number two. All right. My number two, gentlemen, is Permanent Waves. Nice. Hasn't been mentioned yet. Nope. This is a new one for the list, but Permanent Waves is, I mean, it just, the opening track alone <laughs> makes it worth having in your top five, but, you know, you've got Entree New, Natural Science. I mean, just start to finish one of the, one of the top albums. And that's, it's from my favorite era of the band and, and my, you know, my top five list will end up bearing that out. So Permanent Waves. Six amazing songs. Can't argue with it. Jer, what's your number two? My number two is also Permanent Waves. I figured it was. Did you really? Yeah, I really thought that was your number two. Because for me, the top five, I guess, really boiled down to which albums do I just go to the most. If I'm in the mood for something, these top five albums cover, I think, all of my moods. So Permanent Waves is, is an album that I go back to a lot, especially spirit of radio and 
free will, obviously. Yeah. Free will, we've talked about before, has one of the greatest guitar solos and jams on it, I think, ever recorded on a studio album. And I listen to it a lot. I listen to Permanent Waves a lot. And there's also something about the, the cover, too. The cover is just so iconic to me. I don't really know. I'm not, not sure how much that actually has to do with how much I love the album. It might have something to do with it, though, because it's just such, a, such an interesting album, even for Rush album covers, which are always different from each other and always interesting. This one really is just eye-catching. Yeah, I like the, uh, the story that Hugh Syme told about it when he was on your show, just um, what he went through to get the photo and all of that stuff. It was, uh, it was a good story. And it's, I mean, there's, it's probably not a better one-two punch at the start of an album than Spirit of Radio and Free Will. That's true. Yeah. Absolutely true. And it's got arguably Rush's greatest hit ever, The Spirit of Radio, right? Tom Sawyer, The Spirit of Radio, you can argue either one. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And Steve, what's your number two? Please tell me it's Permanent Waves. It's not Permanent Waves. That would have been interesting <laughs> if, we, uh, if we all picked that as our number two. A hat trick. But if you asked me my top five Rush albums 10 years ago, this album would not have been on my list. Really? Because it didn't exist. Wow. It is Clockwork Angels. Steve, you're so surprising. Released nine years ago, right? We've said it a thousand times. Rush released one of their greatest albums as their final album. I love every song. I love the story behind the songs. I love how heavy this record is. I love Getty's vocals, Neil's drumming. Alex's solos goes without saying, right? Just the capstone album of a career, capstone song of a career with the garden. Just amazing that this album could possibly surpass all these other great records we've been talking about for me, but it does. All right. Can we start the whole thing all over again? Cause I want to put clock. <laughs> Talked him into it. <laughs> uh, and my list, it's so true. It was definitely, yeah, that was going to be in and then it was out and then it was back in and then it was out oh i agree with you it is one of the albums i go to you know back to the most so really should have made the cut i don't know what's what's wrong with me i just listened to it this week preparing for the show and and it was one of the songs in the wheel (laughs) that were rotating wheel for that fifth spot and um, so spoiler it's it's not my number one but it's (laughs) <laughs> certainly on any day could be a top five record and, and the garden is a monumental achievement for that band. I'm just glad it's on somebody's list. Imagine 15 albums mentioned and not clockwork angels. Come on. I know. Well, that only tells you about the strength of their catalog that an album like that wouldn't be on everyone's list in like the top position. Yeah. All right. We're to number one. I think I know what it is, Michael. Tell the audience what it is. Well, you should know because I, I told you, on my show and we talked about it it is signals my favorite rush album of all time it has my two favorite rush songs of all time on it and a very surprising one i think for a lot of people my favorite rush song is losing it and my second favorite maybe less surprising is subdivisions i just have loved that album like i said it was one of the first two that i ordered i think i ordered them at the same time i'm not sure which one came in first in the mail but I got them right around the same time, and I 
played the heck out of both of them. And I played signals a lot more than moving pictures. I don't know what it was. It was, it was just a, the song spoke to me. I think sometimes art chooses you. You don't choose art. And then that's what signals did for me. It chose me. Can't argue with that. Signals is a fantastic record. Didn't make my top five. Amazingly. Jerry, what is your number one? My number one, I don't think it's going to come as much of a surprise to you, Steve, at least, is moving pictures. Does not surprise me. As we talked about a couple of times, the first side of moving pictures might be the most perfect side one of any album I have ever heard in my life. Those four songs are just perfect one after another. And everything about that album, I love. The cover I love, it feels, the whole album sounds like that cover to me. It's kind of dark, with just a little pop of color. It's produced beautifully. The songs are all amazing. It has their last real extended long-form song in the camera eye. And we also saw them do it on the Time Machine tour. Did we see that tour twice, Steve? Or yeah. Or maybe even three times? Might have been three. Definitely two. Might have been three. And I was so glad when they did it because it's one of my favorite, it's my favorite album. It's the other ones, you know, the thing is, is that a, a lot of the albums, I was like, ah, oh, maybe I should put Signal second and Permanent Waves third, or maybe I should put Clockwork Angels at five. And you know what I mean? Some things were shifting around, but Moving Pictures is always going to be number one. It was right off the bat. It was number one. Am I incorrect? But are all five of your albums back to back to back to back? Yes, in not in release order, right? But they're all within seventy-eight to all the albums between seventy-eight and eighty-four, I guess, right? Yeah. Grace Under Pressure came out. To me, that's the rush. Rush's golden age. Not that anything else is bad. Don't get me wrong, but for me, Hemispheres to Grace Under Pressure is an absolute stunning, perfect run of out. Any band would be happy to have five albums that are as good as these albums but to have them in a row (laughs) (laughs) and then have the rest of their career which also has fantastic albums i it's i can't even it's hard to even imagine any other band doing anything even close to that so there you go i agree i totally agree so steve are you going to surprise us with what your number one is well here's some blasphemy for you okay These albums are not in my top five, okay? Permanent Waves, which I can't even believe after hearing you guys talk about it. Right. Signals, which you guys both mentioned. Grace Under Pressure and Hemispheres. None of those four are in my top five. How's that possible? How is it possible, Steve? You tell us. I don't know. I, you know, I wanted a top 10, but, you know, what can you do? You know? <laughs> Let's not pretend that your top 10 wouldn't also be like, I can't believe these aren't in my top 10. (laughs) (laughs) Look, this is quote unquote, the easy pick, but my number one is also moving pictures. You basically said it all, Jer, arguably the greatest album side in rock history, Rush's most well-known song and arguably their best song, Tom Sawyer leads it off my favorite song red barchetta is the second Mm -hmm. song on the album one of the greatest instrumentals in rock history sorry police yyz (laughs) and 
another of Rush's most iconic and radio-friendly songs, Limelight. Yeah. I mean, you can't make this not your number one. Sorry, Michael, you just can't. <laughs> you just can't. And, and after that side one, you've got side two, the camera eye, witch hunt, vital signs. I mean, that's, that could be the second greatest album side in history. Right, exactly. It really could be, you know? I know. I said it before, Limelight, the solo on Limelight is just a masterpiece. Every note of that thing is the greatest thing ever. You know, I defy you to find a Rush fan that dislikes any of the seven songs on that record. Really, you can't find any. Okay, well, you just opened up the floodgates. <laughs> I'm sure somebody's going to be like, I Somebody's going to write in and say they hate Witch Hunt or something? <laughs> Somebody's gonna somebody's gonna rag on Tom Sawyer. I hate Tom Sawyer. But Jerry gets the email, so Steve can say whatever he wants. Hey, that's right. <laughs> Clearly, the greatest album in Michael's record collection is Moving <laughs> Pictures. Sorry, Michael. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I mean, it's it is. It's a tremendous album, and again, I think a lot of maybe the Rush fans that are a little bit more on the snobbier side that that don't want to let everybody participate and and want to keep their rush fandom special and and sacred they might say you know how that's just the easy pick that's just uh, you know a real rush fan would do but but it's good for a reason i mean it's it's well known for a reason because it's a fantastic album and i don't think you can argue that it's not a fantastic album but somebody will probably try yeah sometimes good things rise to the top i mean not everything that's popular is bad just because it's popular right. sometimes great art becomes popular people recognize it and i think that's what happened with moving pictures yeah you know i said at the top jared that this was going to be my least favorite episode but i was completely wrong this was fun <laughs> it was fun it doesn't mean it wasn't difficult it was hard it, or annoying it was my least favorite <laughs> thing to do preparing for this episode how about that yeah, that makes more sense. I'm just proud. I'm proud of you guys. I'm very proud of you guys <laughs> because I know how hard you, when you guys talk about, you know, top tens and things like that, I know how difficult it is. So I, I'm very proud that you both were able to, to whittle this down to five. And I don't see how it could possibly be my least favorite episode if Michael Citro was a guest. Michael, thank you so That's much. Right joining us we really appreciate it well i i'm so glad that you asked me on i will give you my my other ones that that were in competition for that fifth spot if you don't mind though oh of course oh yeah Please. let's hear them i mean you guys talked about i think all of them hemispheres was one clockwork angels was one power windows grace under pressure and vapor trails yeah i know vapor i wanted to put vapor <laughs> trails in there so bad yeah you guys i i just listened to your vapor trails episodes and because I'm jumping around, going back through your back catalog. And I have to say that when Vapor Trails came out, I was listening to it in the car a lot, so I wasn't spending a lot of time with the lyrics. And now that you've explained what some of the lyrics mean in a deeper you know, setting, it's really depressing. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a heavy album. It's a very heavy album. I hadn't thought about them in, in, on that level, but uh, I love your analysis of, of the lyrics, and it's one of the things I like about your show. And I gave my four that I was pained to leave off the list, but one more is Snakes and Arrows, which we haven't mentioned. Mm -hmm. I, I, I would have loved to put that in my top five. Just couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Yeah. But again, that just, that just speaks to the strength of this catalog. Yeah. 
where again, I mean, Snakes and Arrows is such a great album. Vapor Trails is such a great album. How can you slice that pie, you know? And we never mentioned Fly By Night. We never mentioned Caress of Steel. Right. We never mentioned Hold Your Fire, which is great. Yep. Counterparts, we never mentioned. I mean, so many great albums. Hard to pick. Very hard. Very hard. Uh, this was, you know, partly I was happy to be on the show and do this with you. And part of me was cursing you every moment <laughs> that I was trying to figure out what that number number five was going to be. <laughs> I was expecting you to just be like, nah, I'm not going to discuss that. <laughs> Please respect my privacy at this time. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> So make sure you check out Michael's record collection. We actually appeared on an episode of Michael's record collection not too long ago. Check out that episode and check out more of his other episodes. And again, Michael, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. This was fun. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. So Jared, you and I picked the same number one album. Surprise, surprise. It is kind of a surprise actually. Is it really? Okay. It's not really a surprise. I mean, I knew you were going to pick moving pictures and did you know I was going to pick that? I didn't. Oh, really? I really didn't. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know what you were going to pick, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh now that you did. Yeah, I mean, we think alike. I mean, we agree that that's the number one record. It just is. Yeah. I try not to let fan service get in the way of things. But and it, it may sound like fan service to just be like Moving Pictures is the best Rush album according to me, but I don't think it is. I really 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 think that it is their greatest achievement. Oh, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. You know, I can't argue with Michael's pick of Signals either. That's another masterpiece. It just is. Yeah. Another strong contender. And I love the fact that he picked Presto too. I love Presto. Yeah, that was totally out of left field for me. I love that album. I can't argue with it. I really can't. I can't put it over the five I picked, but I know, but it's definitely up there for me. There's so many good ones. We really should have done top 10. Yeah, but come on. That would have been easy. <laughs> that would have been easy. Cause I, I could have picked the four that I mentioned that I left off threw snakes and arrows in there. And I would have been happy. I'm unhappy. The fact that it's painful makes it more fun. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to tell your wife that see what she says about that. All right. Let her know. You know, I didn't know if you wanted me to quickly go through our top five episodes our album based episodes. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Okay, go ahead. So the first two are first and third episodes, which may not count because people are just getting used to it, you know, before they drop off and okay. they're tired of us. So I don't know if you want me to include those. Those were Power Windows and Hold Your Fire. Okay. So if, if we discount those, the other ones are completely random. Yeah, I think we should discount those. Okay. So coming in at number five is part one of Counterparts. Interesting. Which was episode 27. Okay. Then at number four is Permanent Waves, part one. Okay. Makes sense. Which is ep episode 38. Mm -hmm. Then at three is Grace Under Pressure, part one, episode 60. Okay. At number two is Signals, part one, episode 51. And then at number one, Steve, is Presto, part one. Really? Episode 19. Yep. That has the most listens of our album-based episodes. Now, that really surprises me. I know. It's all over the place. And you'll notice that it's all episode part ones of all of the episodes. Huh. Interesting. So I don't know what that, is, what that tells us. 
Well, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to ask our listeners to email us at therushcast at gmail.com and give us your top five Rush albums. No cheating, no naming six or seven. We want five. No pulling a Steve and saying this is one of my top five. Right. And I'm also going to ask the Twitter followers to do the same, and we'll compile them and see what we come up with as a definitive top five based on our, our research. What do you think? That sounds like a good idea. All right, perfect. You can find us on Twitter. We are at RushFanCast. Instagram, you can find us at TheRushCast. As I said, email Jerry, TheRushCast at gmail.com. Let him know what you thought of our top fives. Give us your top five. The bass intro and outro, that's Lex. And Jerry, what do you got for a quote to wrap this up for us? Um, well, I have something from that Left Field album and our number one listened to episode. Okay. From Show Don't Tell. Oh, nice. How many times do you hear it? It goes on all day long. Everyone knows everything and no one's ever wrong until later. You're never wrong, Jer. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> have a good one. Bye. Thank you.